Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I hope you are happy and healthy today. I hope you've had a good day. And I pray that God is meeting all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Lean on him, count on him, believe in him, and go to him for everything. Every detail, big and small, and he'll be there for you. He hears everything you say. He stores it in heaven, and he um, he is not uh, will not delay in answering your prayer. So... I'm looking forward to spending time with Pastor Pat Nemers today. This is our Red Word series. We focus in on the words of Jesus. And today, Pat and I are going to talk about Luke chapter 15. And looking forward to it. Pat, welcome. Good to be back with you, Bill. Yeah, thanks. So I want to say, first of all, I love talking about uh, anything that Jesus says in Scripture, um, practically more than anything. And this powerful passage in Luke 15 is maybe some of my favorites. So... I'm looking forward to it. I know we touched base on this a little bit in the past, so maybe we can do a little refresher and then move on. Good idea, Bill. And it was great being with you before because we covered the first couple of parables leading up to the parable of the prodigal son. If yes, you'll we recall, did. we talked talked about it. Remember, there are three lost things. There was the lost sheep that many of our listeners are familiar with. You know, go, leaving the 99 and going after the one. There's the lost coin where the woman loses her uh, her wedding ring, so to speak, and she tears the place apart looking for it. And now you have the lost uh, son. And if just to remind our listeners, in every case, there's there's something that's lost. And every parable is um, that which is lost is more valuable than the thing that was lost before. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to lose a sheep, and that's val that's valuable. That's uh that's you know ag- in an agrarian society that was a big deal. It's it's one thing to lose a coin, probably like like a wedding ring. We talked about that. That would be that would make us somewhat distraught to lose a oh, wedding yeah. ring, but to lose a son, that's a whole different thing, and 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 that takes the loss to a whole new depth. And Bill, you said it the last time we were on this subject a month or so ago, and you said it again just now. This is one of your favorite parables. And I'm before you read the parable, and I think it would be good for you to read the whole, I mean, the whole parable, just to get our listeners. But before you do that, I have a question for you. Why do you think we are so drawn to this particular story? Because I agree with you. This is, this is, this is, I bet if you did a a survey of favorite parables, this is this would probably go right to the top. Why mm. is that? Well, first of all, I think there's this extraordinary rejoicing that goes on when something is found, which to me is every bit what I feel about people who have come to faith in Christ. I cannot think of anything in my life that makes me more joyful than someone who has crossed from being dead in their sins to alive in Christ. So that's one of the things I love about this parable. And I also think I can see parts of me in every one of these stories. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, my wife and I just had the joy just the other day uh, between the second and third services in our church of leading a couple to Christ that had been sitting under the gospel for several weeks. And I have to tell you, I agree with you. There's there's well, just like it says in chapter 15 and verse 10, referring to the woman who found the coin. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And if there's joy amongst the angels, there better be amongst the saints as well. Amen. Amen to that, Pat (laughs) Nevers. All right, let's set the stage once again by just uh, reading the first verse, uh, I mean, verses one and two. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So we've already got an interesting group of people gathered around Jesus mm. that don't have what I would call a good attitude. No, and and Jesus is gonna he's going to he's going to assault all their sensitivities, <laughs> isn't he? He is, especially especially in this particular parable when he starts talking about pigs and old men who are running and things that you just didn't do <laughs> in that culture. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, what do you suggest? Would you like me to to uh, read? this parable yeah let's 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 let our listeners take the whole thing in okay and then we'll talk about it i wished i wouldn't have left my professional radio voice at home today (laughs) it'll sound great okay here we go i read the first two verses already and i'll read them again now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear jesus but the pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered this man welcomes sinners and eats with them then jesus told them this parable Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or great so- reading. Great, great reading there, Bill. Oh, let me pick it up on the let me pick it up on the next one and then you pick it up on the okay. parable of the prodigal. Super. Son. Okay. So verse eight says, uh, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, She calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that uh, which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And now for the balance of our time, Bill, the parable of the prodigal son. Mm, That starts in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, 
I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And that's the reading of God's word, Luke chapter 15. Bill, you did a great job reading. Thank you. Uh, I think your I think your radio, radio voice you brought back into work. Too, so, <laughs> okay. But what what a great great story! And just listening to you read it reminded me again why I'm so drawn to this story, why you're so drawn to this story, and why I'm certain many of our listeners are doing the same. And it's because I think it's because it involves relationships. And the Bible and God is all about relationships. If you think about this, Bill, God, think about this. God, the father didn't love God, the son, because of what he did in coming down to this earth, living a perfect life, resisting all sin, being illegally tried, brutally beaten, horrifically hung on the cross, all for our sins. He, he exalted him for all that. That's what the, that's Philippians two tells us, but here's, God always loved his son. And I, I think this is important. I want to point this out because in John 17, which would be a great red letter <clears throat> discussion sometime, Jesus' intercessory prayer. He says this in verse 24. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. I want God, the father, loved God, the son, long before there were any reasons, humanly speaking, for that love to, to take place. It, it was going on in eternity past. Mm -hmm. So God has always been, even before creation, about loving relationships. So if you think about it, in uh, uh, the first parable that you read, it had to do with the sheep. The second one had to do with the coin, a lost sheep, then a lost coin. Both of them had value. Would you agree? Absolutely. And we, we even can and, and, and do come to love things like sheep and 
coin or coinage or money. But those things, all things, if they're things, can't love us back. We have a tendency to love things that can't love us back. Ooh, that's good. It on, it's only when we discover there's no reciprocation of love from things like money and fame and power and substances and positions. Uh, and in the case of the prodigal son, wasteful living, that we, we begin to seek a higher love. Uh, I just talked to somebody just the other day about something that uh, he was, he's a wealthy businessman. Uh, he's been very, very, I'm going to triple, very successful in life, but he was miserable. And he was the very man that got saved just the other day in wow. our church. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. So super, super wealthy. Yeah. But he found he was discovering that the things he'd set his affections on, they weren't loving him back. Yeah. And the sheep couldn't love that guy back. The coin camp couldn't love the woman back, but a father could love the son. Um, when I was, so this guy needed a higher love. I, 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 I made a, I jotted down a story that, uh, do you remember, uh, do you remember, Bill, you certainly remember the Alice Cooper band. Oh yeah. Remember Alice Cooper oh, band? Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. And every year in May, you know, the mo- one of the most popular songs on the radio, doesn't School's matter what out generation. For summer. School's out. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a personal relationship with the writer of that song and the lead guitarist for Alice Cooper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so I'm, I, I'm name dropping yeah, here. That's okay. His, his name, his name uh, was Glenn Buxton. Glenn Buxton at uh, 47 years old ish was drunk on a, in a bar in California and a farmer in Northern Iowa interacted with him there, invited him to come to Iowa, get his, uh, get sober and just kind of live a, a quieter life. So he took him up on it Wow! and he moved right into the area where I was pastoring at the time. So through a series of circumstances, I got to lead, be, be part of the, you know, our church, our led, led Glenn to Jesus. He came to Christ. He trusted in Jesus as his savior. And so this is funny. Glenn Buxton came to me shortly after he got saved. He comes into my office this is a man who became ravingly successful as a rock and roller. <laughs> and he never had to work another day in his life. Yeah. Uh, and he came to me and he just had all the looks of just, he just looked beaten. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Bill, he was 47, but he looked like he was 65 or 70. And I'm not exaggerating. And he came into my office one day, he gave me his Bible and he said, Hey, I want you to sign my Bible. So I, I took the Bible. I opened the fly leaf and I wrote, dear Glenn, and I was thinking, and then I looked up at Glenn and I said, hey, Glenn, would you just let me have this Bible for a few days? I'll give it back to you on Sunday. I want to I write something meaningful. Uh, he goes, no, no, Pat, I got to have my Bible. And he took it back from me. He just walked out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. So, mm-hmm. so here's what happens. Um, Glenn, a few weeks later, caught a cold. The next day, he had pneumonia. A day later, he died at oh 49 years of oh age. My. And uh, he's literally buried less than 20 yards from where my first wife is buried. Same cemetery. Wow. And I did the funeral. The entire Alice Cooper band minus Alice was at the funeral in, in, in the little town in Iowa where I pastored. Mm-hmm. 
in that funeral, I say all this to say this. I held his Bible. I opened it up and I shared the story because I opened the fly leaf up. I preached from his Bible. And all it said was, dear Glenn, <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't written in it. <laughs> and everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody chuckled. And, um, and then I said to that people, I said, I said, those folks, well, well, while Glenn Buxton was climbing, uh, you know, the, uh, was, was climbing to stardom, you know, in, in the area of, of rock and roll, he discovered he needed a rock that was higher than that. And that's what the psalmist says, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. That's what everybody has to figure out in life is the things we pursue, they can't love us back. Right. But people, but people can, Jesus can. Amen. Amen. So, yeah. so when, when the sheep was found, there was great joy. When the, when the coin was found, there was great joy. But when the prodigal son is found, there's great joy and renewed relationship. And that makes all the difference. Mm, let's take a break, Pat. And we'll come back. We can really dig deep into this. Uh, pastor Pat Nembers is my guest. He is the lead pastor at Sailorville Church in Des Moines, Iowa. And if you have a question or a comment, let me know what it is. We're in Luke 15, and the comment uh, can be sent to 877-933-2484. Be right back with Pat. Hi, this is Bill Arnold, host of the Afternoon Show. And I have to say, pastor appreciation is one of the easier things to do. I made out a list of 721 things I wanted to say thank you uh, to you for, but because I'm, I guess, apparently limited to like 40 seconds, I'm not going to be able to get them all in. But that doesn't mean I don't uh, appreciate you and the hard work you do. I know there, it's not a cakewalk. I know there's discouragement at times and, and loneliness, and there are times when you probably get discouraged. But I just want you to know that we love you and care about you, and we want to encourage you in every way possible. Thank you for what you do, and God bless you in all of your efforts. I love being able to do a deep dive on Luke 15 today with Pastor Pat Nemers. We're talking about this amazing parable, the parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And talking about the importance of relationships. And you can love certain things, but if they don't love you back, you're not going to find much there. So, Pat, let's dig into the parable of the lost son. I, I love, first of all, that it starts with uh, the father dividing his property to make it possible for him to get his share of the estate uh, way in advance of the father's passing. And it's not like he writes a check and go, here's your portion of the inheritance he has to divvy up property, and I've often thought of what it must have been like. I mean, take a, a beloved cabin that people have in their family. Maybe it's been in the, the family for 80 years, and it's the ultimate place where the family goes. And the dad has to sell that cabin to produce some money to give to the son who takes it and spends it on prostitutes. I would imagine the older brother is not going to be too happy that we lost the uh, fishing cabin. Uh, yeah. And he takes it off and blows it in a distant country. Yeah, and this is really a parable of two sons, as we see just from the reading of it. But you're right. Uh, the younger son is the one who becomes the prodigal. In Bible times, the the firstborn, which is the son that gets the attention at the end, he is going to inherit two thirds of everything his father has. Mm -hmm. 
And the son who, who goes off with wasteful living, he gets a third. So he's asked, he's wishing his dad dead and he's asking for a third. He, he wants his third. Right. Which by, which by the way, later on, when the father says to the other son, son, all that I have is yours. Remember that? Yes. That was, that would have been literally true because at that point, the rest of what he had was going to go to him. So, yeah. So now he takes off and this, he, he, he wasted all, he finds himself in a pigsty and, uh, and it's there that he kind of comes to himself. And, um, and as we mentioned at the beginning, Bill, that what I love about this parable and what you love about this parable, it's about relationships and God loves to restore relationships. And if our listeners out there have, have kids or you have uh, friends who've fallen away from the Lord, just know that this parable is actually written to you to stay hopeful because you have a God who wants to restore those relationships. Mm-hmm. So when I think of the father too, I'm trying to think of what it was been like for him to be back in his community where his friends said, you, you did what? You, you divvied up property to give to your son? I mean, there was some, yeah. I would imagine there was some pressure on his end from people that would think what he was doing was absolutely nuts. Yeah, that's, you know, we don't know, but that's probably something like that that took place. And I often say to people, I, I will refer to this uh, parable, Bill, with uh, to parents whose kids go completely astray. Because this, this, this prodigal, he, I mean, he, he literally wishes his dad dead, wants his money, right. wants it pro- and takes off. And so I often tell people, I, I allude to this and say, don't hang on to that kid for dear life. Pray for them. Hold on to them that way. But in, at some point, you got to let them go. And you don't see this dad running after him when he was running away from no. his dad. You do see him running to him. When he comes back to his dad, mm-hmm. which is really precious. So here you are, he's in a pigsty, right? And, uh, and this is where, because we, we love the stories we keep saying, because it brings relationships back together. He's in a pigsty. I mean, pigs, you know, what's so significant about pigs? Uh, and why would Jesus put pigs in a story? Why do you, why would he do that? I think the point is not to get off on what the old Testament says about eating pork. It's enough to know that no self-respecting Jew would ever do such a thing, right? Right. But this man, in his wasteful living, has lost all self-respect, his entire moral compass, the whole nine yards. He's in a pigsty in more ways than one. And uh, and I, I briefly tell you the story of Michael Adrian. Michael Adrian was a uh, was the, one of the scariest looking guys I ever laid eyes on. At the end of a service, he was standing in the back of the church, shaking like a leaf, skinnier than a rail, uh, was high on drugs and everything. And he was broken over hearing the gospel. I had the joy of leading Michael to Christ in that moment, not knowing what it, you know, you kind of wondered, did he really get saved? You know, this guy had just, at days earlier, had days earlier, Bill, had been called to the, to the funeral home to identify his own dad who had died. And he confessed that he went in there, didn't even look at his dad. He just rifled through his dad's pockets, found his billfold and left. That's how low this guy was. But when he heard the gospel, 
he was radically saved. Today, Bill, Michael Adrian is preaching in one of our ministries. <laughs> He's a leader in one of our churches. It, he, mm-hmm. it, it's a he was in his own pigsty at one time, but yeah. the gospel changed, changed his life. But if you look at verse 17, here's where it all comes. He's in that pigsty, and it says, he came to himself. Don't you love that oh, line? Oh, that's one of my favorites. He came to his senses. Came to his senses. Yeah. That You're not going to go anywhere until you come to your senses, That's right? so true. And so when he comes to his senses, look what he does. I think it's fascinating what he does. He, he comes to his senses, and then he says, uh, how many of my father's hired servants would have, you know, had they have bread and to spare that, you know, and I'm here and I'm hungry. I will rise. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven. I've, I've sinned before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, here's the test for you, Bill. Who's he talking to? This is not a trick question. Um, Who's he talking to? It sounds like he's preparing his speech for dad. It's, that's exactly right. He's yeah. talking to himself. Yeah. Listen, he goes from coming to himself to talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and this isn't just some pleasant platitude. It's a true statement. He says he, he, he wasn't worthy. And remember, he had wished his father dead. So when he says, when he says to himself, I'm just going to say, make me like one of your slaves or servants. That's probably the best situation he could ever have ever imagined. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so now this is a parable. And we talked the last time about how about this before, how not to stretch a parable out of shape. Right. And make it say things it's not supposed to say. But but we are talking about relationships here. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus, who gave us this parable, had in mind that the prodigal son knows his dad. He knows that he knows what kind of father he is. And I think I think he's banking on his dad doing better than just making him a slave (laughs) because, and so, but he's rehearsing this all in the pigsty. Mm -hmm. Because he had come to his senses. Because he had come to his senses. And so then he rises and goes to his father. And this is the most, one of the most compassionate points of the entire new Testament. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I mean, think about what's going on here, Bill. The father sees him. He has compassion. He runs. Old men in the Eastern culture never ran. It was undignified to run. He runs. Then he embraces him. Then he kisses him. Now, other than the seeing part, would any of these things have had taken place with the lost sheep or the lost coin? Mm. Can you imagine I mean, you can't imagine the farmer picking up the sheep and kissing him. <laughs> no, you can't. You know, or the or the widow hugging the coin. I mean, right. they're happy to find him. Right. But this, remember, this is all about relationships here. Mm-hmm. And and this is what and this is what leads us to one of the one of my favorite parts of the story when we're ready to get to it. Verses twenty one and following. Okay, I still look at these two sons, and I I find that. One is alienated from the father for doing all the wrong things by taking mm-hmm. his inheritance and squandering it in a distant country. And the other son is alienated from his father because I think what he wants is his father's stuff, not the father. Yeah, I thought you were going to say because he, he, he's doing all the right things, but he's doing it for the wrong reasons. Of You're course. Right. He's, doing it for, he's doing it for the stuff. Yeah, I mean— and, and, 
You've never even given me a goat to have a party with my friends. Look, I, I'm I, I'm a good worker. I do all the right things around here. Yeah, all of that is important, and I think we need to we need to finish what happens because when this when the when the prodigal the first son comes back, remember, look what he does. He basically does exactly what he rehearsed in the pigsty. <laughs> yeah, and but but what I love this is my favorite part of the story. I want you to notice as he rehearsed, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've, I've sinned against you. I, I'm not worthy to be called. I mean, your son, that's a strong statement. But then when he rehearsed it in the pigsty earlier, Bill, he said, make me like one of your servants. But if you look at the text in verses 21, 22, he never gets that out. That's good. The, point. Father, the father cuts him off. He cuts him off. This is what, this is why it's my favorite part of the story, because while he is confessing it, I think what he doesn't get to say is as important as what he says. I think the father, and this is what we, this is how we need to look at our heavenly father. When we're humble, when we're broken, when we're confessing, we don't have to delineate every single detail of the sin. I mean, we, you should as much as you can, but your brokenness is what God is looking for. He's not looking for you listing everything perfectly. He's looking for the sacrifices of the Lord are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These he will not despise. That's what we have here. And that's a lesson for you and me when it comes to forgiving those who have sinned against us. We shouldn't be looking for a pound of flesh when somebody comes to us. We should be looking for a broken spirit. Mm, so true, Pat Numbers, but that is a hard thing to, to live out. It really is, mm-hmm. but it's an important one. I, again, I'm not suggesting when you're the one who has sinned and needs to ask for forgiveness, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't be specific when you ask for forgiveness. I think you should. But if you're the forgiver I and you sense that broken spirit, I think you need to be like the father. And he, did, he just cut him off and yeah. he just embraced it right there. Yeah, let's talk about that father-son interaction when we come back. Pastor Pat Nemers is my guest, and we're in the Red Word series, so the words of Jesus. We're in Luke 15. If you uh, just joined us, we'll be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. We are in Luke 15, but before we go back to Luke 15, I want to take a little side uh, journey with uh, you and let you know that Tim Challies, who I've had on the show before, who is really a brilliant thinker, and what he does on occasion uh, is he reviews books and. He said about a book I'm going to talk about in just in a minute. He said, this book is enjoyable to read and provides plenty of really, really helpful instruction. I might go so far as to say it's one of my favorite books of 2022. And that book that he's talking about is a book called Retractions, Cultivating Humility After Humiliation. And that book was written by my guest, Pastor Pat Nemers, who's joining me today. Pat, that's a great book, and I do want to let everyone know that they should go check it out. I think you can download the first chapter of it and, and get a taste of it, because I always recommend people sample a book before they buy it. But uh, I love the endorsement from Tim Challies, who is a brilliant thinker. 
Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that, Bill. And I'm thankful to have written this book and to have gotten the endorsement from Chally and a few others. And you're right. You can download the first chapter because the 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 introduction is the hook of the book. So uh, retractions, cultivating humility after humiliation. And that's probably a good lead back into our story. It is. This this prodigal was humiliated, was he not? Entirely. And, uh, entirely humiliated he comes back to his father he his father sees him runs to him and then a celebration that is off the charts Mm -hmm. is it not yes i mean i mean just look at these again verse 23 says and when the he says he says bring the fattened calf kill it let's eat let's be merry my son who is dead is alive again he was lost and now he's found and they began to make merry. And so there's just this great celebration going on. And, um, and let me ask you, um, do you, I mean, I almost feel like there's, this is a, this is a son who has now been found. Now we can, we can draw the analogy to people getting saved, but how about the analogy of just people getting right with God again? Amen. That, I just love that. I love those stories. Whenever there's revival, there's great joy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, just the other day, I married a young man uh, to a young woman who he was, an, he, had be, he had been raised in a godly home, a leader in our church, and he just completely deconstructed. He forsook the faith. He claimed atheism. And, uh, but about two years ago, he realized that it wasn't, it was whatever he was pursuing wasn't loving him back. And so he came back to church. We started to interact with him. He repented. He embraced the Lord Jesus as his genuine Lord and Savior. His life has been radically saved. And I have to tell you, that family has been clicking their heels ever since. <laughs> I mean, they're just so happy yeah, about it. You know? I bet they have. And so happy. And so there's this big party going on. And then as you alluded to it, Bill, there's another son here. He's out in the field and he doesn't even know what's going on. He, he smells the sacrifice. He hears the party going on and he comes back in to discover that his brother has come back. And, uh, he is, he is, he's beside himself. Why is that? Do you think? Well, I think because he saw himself as uh, a pretty dutiful and obedient son that did all the right things. I think he saw his brother, what he did, and he thought it was wasteful and disrespectful and insulting. And now he comes back and they're throwing the biggest party that's ever been thrown. I'd be upset too. Yeah. he's he, he, So we, we use the term legalism from time, some, from time to time. The elder son here is very legalistic. He's very, rule uh oriented Mm -hmm. he's always obeyed the rules he's always towed the line he even sort of taunts himself here does he not yeah look look at all that i've done for you right and 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 i think it's even verse 30 says but as soon as this son of yours came (laughs) yeah uh, not my brother who has son of yours not yeah he's he he, he, he can't even attach himself to him. Yeah. He's yeah. so disgusted with him. And now he's disgusted with his dad because his dad has shown grace. And we talk about grace a lot. And the word grace isn't, isn't, doesn't come up in the text, 
It's just illustrated in the text. Because what is grace? But as has often been defined, undeserved favor, right? It's 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 love that we didn't have coming. It's it's blessing that we didn't earn. And all this is happening with the first son. And the elder son can't handle it because he thinks grace is to be earned. Mm-hmm. He he thinks it's, he's an he's an entitled man. And so his father um, comes back to him and makes his appeal to him. Now, remind you, mind you, not only has he distanced himself from his brother, he drags him through the mud. He says, look what he's done. He's he's devoured your livelihood with harlots, you know, with 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 prostitutes. And and, and now you've killed the you've killed the best calf we have on the property farm. This doesn't make any sense. And at this point, the dad tries to reason with him. And this is probably one of the most intriguing parts of the story. He says to him, son, you, you are always with me and all that I have is yours, which was literally true. We've already, already talked about that, right? All that I have is yours. So that was true. It, it was right he says that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now, Bill, does that not sound like sound logic to you? Yes. Uh, and yet this is the most intriguing thing about this. This is where the parable ends. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, when, I mean, if you're reading this, I mean, you read a good book, you want a good ending, don't you? I mean, it, I mean, if you're watching a, if you're watching a Hallmark movie, you got to have a bow on the end of it, right? You prefer that, but this parable ends with us getting a chance to think about our, I think, our own situation. How do we That's fit into exactly. this story? How do, how do we fit into the story? Who mm-hmm. am I? Yeah. Am I the prodigal, or am I the elder son? Mm-hmm. Am I either one of them? And you know, you could almost call this the parable of the lost sons because as you well pointed out one was lost because he did all the things that were wrong the other was lost because he did all the things that were right for all the wrong reasons right and here we have this cliffhanger i did a series several years ago titled the cliffhangers of christ this isn't the only cliffhanger that jesus told but this is the most famous he just leaves us hanging he doesn't tell us what did that guy do? Did, did he, did he see the reasonableness of his dad? Did he, did he humble himself? Did he, did he acknowledge his legalistic uh, spirit, his graceless spirit? Did he go back into the party? Did he embrace his brother? We're not told. And then it just comes back to you and me, Bill saying, what, what would we do? What would you do? Are relationships that important? I think this this whole parable is all about relationships, Mm. broken and restored. And there may be listeners out there right now who you've been a good little churchgoer all of your life. You know, you've always been in church. You went to Sunday school. You, you give, you give to missions, you serve in different capacities, uh, you haven't lived an immoral life, 
oh, you've told a few white lies here or there, but not much. You're just a really, really good person. Do you know, really, really good people die and go to hell. Really, really good people who don't have a relationship with the father who has always loved them still die in their sins if they don't humble themselves. Every one of us have to eventually become, come to our senses like the product in our own personal pigsty. And our pigsty might be a, a life of wasteful living like him, or it might be a goody two shoes life that's trusting our good works to get us to heaven. We're both in our pigsty. We just got to figure out what kind of pigsty it is. Mm-hmm. And in either case, we got to come to our senses, right? Yes. That's the big one. And when we come to our senses, then it's just a question of what we're going to do about it. Are we going to humble ourselves or, and, or are we going to let our pride continue to drive us? So we know what the prodigal did. Jesus was kind enough to give us, to tell us the story and, and tell us the prodigal came to his senses and utterly and completely humbled himself mm-hmm. to the point where he was, he was willing to say to his dad, just, just make me a slave. I mean, I'd be, ha- I'd be happy to live off what they're living off of. Yeah. All right, Pat, let me take a short break. We'll come back. I've got more questions um, for you. We will continue discussing Luke 15, the prodigal sons with Pastor Pat Nemers. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. We're back talking about the words of Jesus with Pastor Pat Nemers. We're in Luke 15. And Pat, one of the things I... I didn't really know or pay attention to for many years was the fact that the father, when he saw the younger son returning, like you say, ran to him. And before he could even get an apology out, the dad's kissing him on the cheek. Now, if, you know, a lot of dads would be sitting there with their arms crossed in the kitchen to to say, well, let's see what he's got to say for himself when he comes in the house. And he had to go out to the younger son, but he also had to go out to the elder son. And I think of John six forty four. no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I think that God goes out, the Father goes out to everyone. Yes, and I think in every one of these parables, you have that element. And we, I think we discussed it in the first one we, with the parable of the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 and pursues the lost sheep. God the Father is the initiator, regardless of whether you're the, you're the prodigal son or the proud son, uh, whether whatever P you belong in, the pride or the prodigal, yeah. Father God is the one who comes after you. You're right. That's and and John six is forty four is a great reference. He's the one who draws us in. Yes, yeah. So I, I see him going out, going out to the younger son, going out to the older son. You know, one was alienated for doing wrong things. One was alienated for trying to be legalistic and obedient, and um, just didn't really want a relationship with the father as much as he wanted the father's things. And yet the father goes out to both. And I love the cliffhanger yeah. at the end of this. Um, it's, it's just so powerful. Very much so. You know, uh, 
And again, back to confession, you know, you were right, Bill. I asked you, what was he doing? I, and by the way, you get an A for that. Not everybody gets that. When I, oh, good. What was he doing in that pigsty? And you said he was rehearsing. And that's exactly rehearsing what he was speech. doing. Yeah. So let's, instead of rehearsing his speech, let's call it rehearsing his confession. Okay. And I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. When our listeners, and I, and you and me as well, Bill, when we've sinned against somebody that we love, I think it would do us well as we sit in our pigsty to rehearse our confession, not to memorize it to, so it becomes rote, but to, it, that allows us to think deeply about what we did. Sometimes when I rehearse my confession, I start to see things I wasn't even seeing before I rehearsed it. Hmm. And then I see the depth of my sin. And that's what brings me to a place like the prodigal and that at least the, his willingness to say, make me like one of your slaves. He never even got that out, as you know, because his dad cut him off. He saw his broken spirit. And I think that's the other way. Again, going back to it, when someone comes to us and asks us to forgive them, we should we should be like the father and be ready to rejoice over their their humility. One day we were, um, we had a couple in our church. This happened a few, several years back, sharp young couple. They had left our church in a huff uh, a couple of years after I'd gotten here because we had discontinued a certain children's ministry, not because we didn't love children. We just, we just did a different ministry and they didn't like that. And they kind of took their marbles and went home and they just left the church. It was really, it's kind of sad and, and really childish. And so, uh, but, you know, we let them go. About five years later, they came back to our church and they sought uh, to become members again. So as they were giving their testimonies to the leadership, and I was in the room about why they wanted to become members, one of our leaders who was around five years earlier said, hey, I remember why you left five years ago. You want to explain What's going on there? What was going on there? And I can remember, Bill, you could cut the air with a knife. I, thought, oh, <laughs> I man, bet. This, this, I bet. This is going to, yeah, this is going to be really interesting. But I'll never forget that the husband looked at us, looked at his wife, then looked back at us. And this is literally what he said. Uh, guys, I don't know what to say. We were just young and dumb. And when he said that, all the air went out of the room. He was super humble. He didn't have to explain himself. We saw how humble he was. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to. I think that's the father saw the prodigal's humility and embraced it and more than embraced it. Uh, and just, of course, the, the opposite was going on with the hardened, proud son. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really sad thing. And I, I think that's something we if we've got the time we could come back to. Uh, you might have another question, though. I don't want to. I don't want to put that off. Well, I remember having a conversation with Ruth Graham, uh, one of Billy and Ruth's daughters. She was named mm -hmm. Ruth, but she went by the nickname Bunny, and she had a marriage that her parents were very much against, saying, "You really shouldn't marry this person. We don't think it's a good idea." She went ahead and did it anyway, and she said, "I ended up having a, a bad year of marriage, and it ended after a year." And she mm. called up her parents and said, you know, I just, I need to come home and just hang out with mom and dad. And she was nervous. She said, I was driving to their home and I was coming around the corner and I, I was coming in, pulling into the driveway 
And there was my dad standing in the driveway waiting for me. Mm. Mm. And she got out of the car and, and he said, welcome home. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Yeah. And from no, no, no one less than the, uh, the, uh, the highly esteemed Billy Graham yeah. now with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful picture. And, and all that we would have more of that. Yeah. I don't know why that story chokes me up. I can hardly spit it out without breaking into tears. <laughs> it's just it so beautiful. Just listening to it. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful story. Cause they could have said, well, we told you so. We told you it wasn't a good idea, but that wasn't the mm. case. He was waiting for her in the, in the, in the driveway and hugged her. Said, welcome home. Amen. Yeah. Welcome home. Yeah. That's, that's what this story is saying to us, isn't it? It's yeah. saying, welcome home, be ready to welcome home the prodigal. And if necessary, confront the proud. And I love the way the father appealed to his proud son. We, again, were left hanging. And as you well pointed out, Bill, we're invited into this story. What do we do when someone who has fallen away comes back and there's great celebration about their return and we're tempted to wonder, why isn't anybody celebrating over me? I didn't run away. I've, I've towed the line. Right. We need to check our own hearts on these things. And, to be, and because God loves, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. Pat, we've only got about a minute left. Do you have one thing from this story that is your favorite thing to tuck in your, your coat pocket? Well, my favorite thing is, is about relationships. We started by talking about this and God is all about relationships. And what I said earlier on, I can, I could tell resonated with you and I'll say it once again, uh, it, whether it's coins, reputation, uh, esteem, all, all the things that we go after that can't love us back. We need to ask ourselves, what do I love that can't love me back? Mm. God loves relationships. And when relationships are broken, he's all about restoring them so that we can have reciprocal love. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Pat, for being on the show and have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Bill. God bless you. God bless you. Pastor Pat Nemers has been my guest. Check out his book, Retractions. It's amazing. All right, that's our show for the day. Thank you so much for being with me. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.